Oh, you see? Okay. Uh, oh, poor rocket. Okay. MT, I gotta point this out. Go back to go back to 41 seconds where you see uh, what we think is Herbert's hand reaching out to rocket. Okay. There was something here that I meant to point out in the breakdown, but this shot of the hand reaching out this way, every person who's ever trained a puppy or a dog or like worked with animals before, you never reach out like this. Mm. You always reach out palm under mm. because this is a threatening gesture to reach out like that. Of course, of course, this baby rodent is like, right? It's traumatized. You have to reach out underhand because that's that's less of a threatening gesture. Obviously, Herbert Windham doesn't care. He's just reaching right. down like a freaking a claw machine at a bowling alley to reach well, down. That, that's a, a good choice by James Gunn to do that. That's like very symbolic. Like, all right, I don't care about you. I'm gonna use you for experimentation by grabbing you the wrong way. I like that. Right, and we we see it from the perspective of an animal that's reached out like this. It's kind of just like, ugh, get that hand away from me. No thanks. Right. No thanks. <laughs> oh my god. Poor baby um, rocket. But there's. Poor baby Rocket. Welcome back to New Rockstars. We are counting down the days to Christmas, wondering how James Gunn will close out his Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy and whether all the Snyder fans could forgive him enough to actually go see it. <laughs> Boo -hoo 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 -hoo. Oh man, they took a lot of L's lately, and uh, I'm, yes, I, I'm not I'm not upset about it, but because you know they, they tend to be a little bit toxic. But I am sad for Henry. Because uh, he really liked I am sad for Henry, too. I'm, I hope we can get Henry some nice, good, good role in the MCU. He needs to be an MCU front man at this point. Come home to us in the MCU, uh, Henry Cavill. Yes, come to the MCU. And, or be be Batman secretly. James Gunn cast him as Batman. That'd be great. <laughs> I wouldn't say no. That'd be such a weird switch. Uh, but, you know, we're not talking DC today. This is Inside Marvel. It's New Rockstar's weekly Marvel reaction show. I'm Eric Voss. I'm here with MT. How you doing, MT? I'm feeling good, man. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is almost here. I cannot wait. Yeah, and let's talk about it. So, uh, how will Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 end this trilogy of the Guardians characters? Because last week, Entertainment Weekly released this interview with James Gunn about Guardians Volume 3 with some interesting tidbits. First, there was this photo, this new photo of Peter Quill and Gamora. Let's take a look at it, because you can see see like Peter Quill is holding that Polaroid that we see Gamora holding in the trailer and it looks like they're aboard the Bowie this is on the the main Bowie bridge this also looks like it's part of the shot in the trailer where Peter's just alone on the bridge listening to the zoom and that Gamora may appear next to him making me think this might be later in the movie and that Peter may be in like a dark moment in that shot what do you think yeah I think that like this is like maybe like a moment where Peter realizes that like his Gamora is gone and like this new Gamora is just like not really the Gamora that like he's he's grown to know because like yeah like Thanos threw her out the cliff and like this is just a variant who doesn't really know Peter Peter and has or has any of the memories of the Guardians so it's just like yeah. maybe he's just like sad about like oh man like I really have to get over Gamora despite having sort of like the ghost of Gamora sort of hanging around me um, as a completely different mm -hmm. person. Now I'm wondering who's in that Polaroid. Uh, mm -hmm. They have shown us that Polaroid twice, but not who's actually in the photo. My thinking is that it's like something with like Peter Quill and Gamora, something, some kind of memory of their relationship with the alternate variant Gamora. Maybe it's a character who died. Maybe it's one of the Guardians who dies in this movie. And they're both like, right. and it's like a selfie that that person took with all of them. Mm. That'd be, yeah, that'd be super sad mm -hmm. if it was Rocket and they were just like, oh no. We, we miss Rocket. Rocket or like Drax or right. Kraglin or something like that. Or Kraglin. Like there's a huge chance that Kraglin is going to go in this movie because Kraglin is Sean Gunn. Yeah. And like Sean Gunn is usually 
goes with uh, James Gunn in, in his projects. And since James Gunn's heading on over to DC, um, it does seem like, and like James Gunn does like to kill off his um, his his friends and family in his in his projects. It could be Gragglin. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's some more quotes, really, really interesting quotes from this article. So first, there's an interesting bit about Rocket. And James Gunn said, to me, Rocket has been the secret protagonist of the Guardians movies. From the beginning, it has been rooted in who he is as a character. I think he exemplifies a lot of the traits of all the Guardians. They've all had these traumas and it brings them together. I just think that his is the more extreme than others. And then he said, on the trilogy as a whole, he said, the amount of good third episodes in a trilogy, I can count them on one hand. <laughs> Basically, there's the Before Sunrise series, Lord of the Rings, maybe Spider-Man. I assume he's referring to the MCU Spider-Man. But there's just not too many good third ones. And then the article says, so when Gunn started drafting plants for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the third entry in his candy-colored Marvel space saga, he knew he had his work cut out for him. Writing the script was a long process, far longer than it took him to write the first two Guardians or his recent Suicide Squad, but one he desperately wanted to get right. After all, Gunn says, if you consider the Guardians trilogy as three chapters of the same story, then Volume 3, which is out May 5th, 2023, is the climactic final act. Quote, this is the big one. This is where things really happen. This is where we get to know the truth about who these characters are, and we face the biggest stakes. So I want to pause here and ask you, MT, mm. what do we think the big story of the Guardians trilogy is. Is it truly the story of Rocket? I think it, it is. Because, like, we sort of see from um, Guardians 1, Guardians 2, Guardians 3, uh, the story of Rocket um, being told in the background, I feel, in, in regards to the High Evolutionary. And this is just, like, something I, I think is going to happen in Guardians 3. Because, like, we know that um, the, that, uh, the Guardians own Nowhere. Um, as of the Guardians holiday mm -hmm. special, and that the collector felt like he felt the need to sell it because he no longer potentially has any celestial material left to mine from nowhere. And I think we're going to find from from um from that little hint left in Guardians One and the holiday special is that the High Evolutionary has taken all the celestial material and like is wants to evolve um ego or like make a celestial um as the next step of evolution. And so and that's why he worked with Rocket. And like that's why Rocket and all these new men are um, sort of just like experimentations to him trying to trying to be a god essentially because that's sort of his character in the comics. He's like he is this god type figure, and Adam Warlock, uh, his little Jesus son, which is uh, always interesting to see um, in that original run. But uh, no, I think that um, what James Gunn means here is that we're going to see Rocket Raccoon being the center of the entire Guardians tale as we um, potentially see. The high evolutionary potentially um, using nowhere and ego as um, the means for uh, whatever his plans are for Guardians Three, just sort of like bringing everything together, all the little hints that, like, all the the elements that he's been dropping off in this series for one big um, thing. But, but what do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is the kind of thing that um, that James Gunn has talked about before. That he always identified the most with Rocket and mm. of all the Guardians. Uh, and I'm now wondering what traits he's referring to. Like, yeah, there's that sense of trauma. There's that scar tissue, right? I wonder if this movie, because James Gunn has also said in all this press that he's going to talk about, we're going to learn the truth about all of these characters. Right. What does he mean by that? And what I think he means is that we're going to learn that they were all intelligently designed. Now, what mm. do I mean about intelligent design? We've already understood that who the gods are of the Marvel Universe, they're the Celestials, right? 
And we know that one of them is the actual progeny. Two of them are the progeny of a celestial. But I think in some ways we're going to learn how all these characters were crafted Ooh. in someone's image or in someone's vision board. And that Ooh. someone could have been a celestial. That someone could have been someone who aspires to be a celestial, like Herbert Wyndham. Uh, could have been someone else who we have yet to meet. Could have been the Enclave. I think we're going to find out how all of the Guardians are broken toys in some regard mm. that they were designed by an intelligent intelligent designer but maybe while they were drunk <laughs> or while they were having an off day or something like that they were on deadline and right. uh and just got a little too distracted uh by a youtube rabbit hole and they're like oh crap i have 45 minutes to finish this project <laughs> okay great we have drax now <laughs> we have we have Groot now. Um, yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot about like the origin of species in the MCU in this movie uh, and how it was some kind of like agreement between the Celestials and, and other geneticists and that Herbert Wyndham has cracked that DNA code and is trying mm -hmm. to replicate it in a really unhealthy and toxic way. Uh, so I think that's what it is. I think Rocket's kind of the, the best example of that as someone who is engineered by Herbert Wyndham, but I think we're gonna find out how all the Guardians were just kind of like, ugh, they were duds. They were duds that were left on the cutting room floor of, of what uh, intelligent design was meant to be for literally the countless trillions and trillions of life forms that have existed since the dawn of time. I, I really like that idea a lot. And I, I really especially like the idea of like, finding out where Drax came from and like why he can, why he's bulletproof and or able to like withstand the like, the, the like, hitting multiple trees in Guardians 2 mm -hmm. uh, while, during that uh, crash. Um, so I'm like, why, why, are you, why are you so diesel? Like, are you part of an experiment? Like, are you mm -hmm. were you meant to be the destroyer? Like, you were sort of in the comics, this cosmic um, being. So, like, I really hope that they go, go into that. Yeah. Um, I think uh, that makes the most sense. I mean, obviously, uh, Nebula has been, like, cybernetically enhanced. Gamora has... Uh, cybernetic enhance i think all of them have like plugs in them somewhere to kind of like fill in the gaps or to enhance themselves and i think that's kind of been the secret theme of the guardians movies of like mm. that imperfection and that toiling at oneself and embracing one's flaws and, and you know finding a connection through that but i think that's going to be like the way james gunn leaves the mcu is with that message of you know in a universe where uh, it's an aspirational universe that kind of celebrates perfection like the fact that Thor is a god, the and I, I know that all these characters are also flawed as well. Don't get me wrong, but I'm talking about like it's a on the surface, it's something like you know, Tony Stark celebrates how he's a billionaire playboy philanthropist. You know, um, the, Captain America was the perfect specimen of, of a super soldier. I think James Gunn wants to say like, no, 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 that's not what's interesting about these characters. It's the more interesting thing is how like they are a violation of God's plan. Mm. Uh, and what is those gods, God, G-O-D-S apostrophe plan uh, for each of us? And how uh, did the Guardians exemplify, uh, you know, flipping off that plan? No, like, no, for sure. And like, I, I've, I, I sort of want to, um, wanted to do like a solo video on this concept. But like, I find it really interesting how um, we're going to be, we're dealing with counter earth in this movie. Um, because like we learned from Eternals that like what makes a planet interesting and invaluable on a cosmic scale is having a bunch of intelligent life on that planet. And um, mm. I feel like maybe we, we, we are um, looking at a scenario here where the high evolutionary is wanting to use these people as 
um, the, the, the seeds for a celestial. He's like, all right, I want to, like, you guys are here for my little celestial experiment. So, cause like, I want to do what the celestials are doing on, on my scale and recreating a planet. And so like, maybe we could see a big old animal celestial pop up and be like, whoa, I'm big old, <laughs> I'm Galactus cow or some shit. Like, I don't know. Um, or I would bova. love to see a big old animal. Just big old bova popping out of a planet. Or, or maybe the, you know, maybe uh, this would be the MCU's uh, way that they make Galactus. That'd be really interesting, but, like, I don't think oh, they'd be really that fun. Oh, for James Gunn to leave the MCU with Galactus. Yeah, can we get Galactus in the post credit scene for once? Jeez. That'd be bananas. That'd um, be bananas. Hey, speaking of Jesus, this uh, this next part actually ties directly in with where we think this is going. The character of Adam Warlock. Mm. Uh, here's what the article said about him. Volume 3 will also introduce a few new allies and a few new enemies. Will Poulter makes his debut as Adam Warlock, an all-powerful being who is specially created to destroy the Guardians. If the Guardians are an eclectic band of space adventurers, Gunn says that the golden-skinned Adam is a more traditional superhero. Although, Hero might be pushing it, in his words. Mm -hmm. His advanced superpowers make him a formidable foe, and his encounters with the Guardians make for an interesting juxtaposition with where we've been so far. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? I think by traditional superhero, Adam Warlock is going to be James Gunn's parody of Captain America, of Tony Stark, mm -hmm. of Thor. Like, I think he's saying, like, he was created in the image of people like Thor in Captain America, a super soldier who's just kind of bred and designed to do this. And then James Gunn is going to use this character to make fun of that idea of the traditional superhero and show how that's actually a really grotesque way to it. And not to say that he's going to diss the MCU. I'm just going to say like the people who idolize that, who kind of miss the point of Captain America and miss the point of Thor and just uh, idolize them as these like bronze gods mm. are actually really misguided. And that's a really, really grotesque way to look at it. No, I, I would really love if they did that in combination with, you know, like the fact that we know that the sovereign are these snooty ass people. And so, like, what what would a what a Captain America from a, the Sovereign world look like? And they, he would be like this mm. this asshole that thinks like he's like he's superior. But I think that over the course of this movie, especially interacting with the Guardians, who um, who are more of a family dynamic, he will learn that like, oh no, a Sovereign are assholes. Maybe I shouldn't be this asshole Captain America um, parody. Maybe I should be an actual good man. Maybe I should like have love in my in my system and have, have and like value people and the connections and not think that I'm super superior and that makes it gives me the right to be an asshole which is what Aisha is all about yeah. um so no I like that idea so much like James Gunn is just like yeah let's make this Captain America parody and I don't know that'd be really fun yeah and I don't know if it will be overt I think it may just be something that like a parallel that you and I can like read into like in the mm. way that I think this is going to be James Gunn's like swan song in the MCU. I think he's really going to use this opportunity to like communicate what core values he considers to be the most important in superhero adaptations. Right. And uh, and yeah, I think that's what he means by this being the hardest one for him to tell. A quick note also about the music that mm. is brought up in this article. It says, quote, even the music required more effort than usual. Since Peter gained access to a Zune MP3 player at the end of volume two, he's no longer limited to a uh, to 1970s pop hits. Has result the volume three soundtrack will feature songs from multiple decades quote i worked twice as hard on this soundtrack as i did on both the first two soundtracks combined gun admits i'm so excited it's gonna be so dope which is interesting i actually have a thought about how the music could be really important that i want to ask you about uh in a moment but first let's thank 
today's sponsors. Helix Sleep. Thank you to Helix Sleep for sponsoring this episode. During this busy time of year, sleep is more important than ever. That's why we trust Helix to give us some great holiday sleep with the best mattresses in the world. I have a Helix mattress, as does MT. And recently, producer Zach and producer John also got Helix mattresses. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Everybody's unique. Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattress is great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. Even Helix Plus mattress for plus, plus size sleepers. A producer John took the Helix quiz and was matched to a Helix Dusk mattress because he's a back sleeper that needed a memory foam to provide the perfect amount of support to keep him sleeping through the night. Just go to helixsleep.com slash insidemarvel, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash insidemarvel. We also want to thank Hover for sponsoring this episode. Have you ever thought about starting your own business, creating a brand, sharing your wealth of knowledge with the world? Well, Hover wants to help you take the first step in getting your ideas off the ground. Hover makes finding your domain name super simple with a clear and straightforward user experience, easy to use tools, and truly amazing support from friendly humans. In addition to the classics like .com, you can also get extensions like .shop, .tech, .art, with over 400 more to choose from. And with Hover's Connect feature, you can connect your domain name to many website builders with just a few simple clicks. You can buy a domain, set up custom email boxes, and point it to your website in just a few clicks. If you ever run into trouble, help is just a phone call or a chat away. Hover is a trusted and popular choice amongst millions of people launching any kind of brand or business. If you're ready to get your idea off the ground with the perfect domain name, head on over to hover.com marvel to get 10% off your first Hover purchase. That's H-O-V-E-R.com marvel for 10% off your first purchase. Okay, MT, let's talk about Yondu Zoon. I have a lot of questions about Yondu Zoon. Like, how did he get it? And how do all these aliens keep getting Earth consumer products off the planet? That's something you and I talked about last week when we were in the New Rockstar's office. Like, how how do the old 97s have all these Earth instruments? Uh, where, where did Peter Quill get a Game Boy as well? Like, there seems to be the smuggler supply line of people who keep stealing stuff that we think maybe, maybe Nebula's doing when she stole Bucky's arm. She was grabbing a couple <laughs> other things too. But like, my, I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. But just real quick, I think the idea of Yondu Zoon and the fact that they now call the ship the Bowie is going to be really important for Peter Quill's destiny. Uh, because we know Moon Age Daydream was really important to Peter Quill uh, when it played when they first arrived in a nowhere. I think he is going to be like, you know, uh, the star man at the end of this movie. I think he's going to be alone in a tin can uh, far across the way. And I think he's just going to be a lonely, isolated figure. And I think that's why, like, I think this music on the Zoom is going to be super important. And the music of David Bowie, especially, is going to be really important in this movie. Oh, yeah, no, I think um, the music, I mean, in every Guardians movie, the music plays a central role because, like, it's sort of like, it's basically the the message that like the peter's parents have left with him after they've gone both meredith and yondu um and so it's just like as the movie goes on like volume two like first volume one and volume two where meredith like sort of just like speaking to peter in the background of the of the uh the movie basically in volume three we'll, we'll basically be hearing uh, yondu basically speaking to peter um but like no so the question of like how yondu gets this zoo i think that um, like these ravagers are just like they just bounce around from planet to planet, just like visiting. So like you know, um, and considering that like he is very close to Peter, I feel like Yondu has made multiple visits to Earth, just like you know poking around 
and um, people on Earth, like especially as time has gone on, um, as more like superhero weird stuff has happened, I feel like people on Earth are just like, all right, blue man, um, mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, like someone dressing up in blue isn't all that uncommon. So just be like, oh yeah, you are you coming from a convention? And be like, sure, whatever. Give me a zoom, please. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that like it's just Zeondu just being curious, um, and like now that Earth is like the big the big planet in town after the uh, the events of Endgame, I feel like more and more aliens are just more interested in Earth customs. Like we saw in uh, the holiday special, it's like, what is Earth about? Why are they being so weird? Why do they all look like monkeys? Like it's just like it's so weird. Um, so yeah, I think that I like the the universe being more curious about. Um, about earth i think that's really fun yeah um uh like i just like the idea that like the guardians aren't the only access point that there's like some other group of like humans or human culture that exist off world that you know that can even have been brought through the scrolls because you know when captain marvel escorted those scrolls those refugees they had a ton of earth shit that oh, they yeah. from sneaking back down to the surface they had like video games and lunch boxes and all this stuff that was that was hoarded yeah, you know, this this smuggler chain of all these Earth products, all these Terran goods could have just come from the scrolls. You know, their their space station, as it was in Earth's orbit for years, had like lots of odds and ends, had uh, video games, had pinball machines, had, had, you know, troll dolls, I think, had a lunchbox with the fawns on it. So, yeah, I, I think like the scrolls could have, you know, that, there's been a scroll diaspora across the galaxy. I think the scrolls could have like smuggled these goods around. This is true, and I feel like the broker from um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 is just very curious, like, very interested in a lot of, like, things from different planets. So, like, maybe Yondu just stop by and be like, hey, what you got? And uh, we got a zoo. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, I like the idea of the Skrulls for sure, because, like, the Skrulls, um, last time we saw them, like, they were off into the, the universe and, like, they had a bunch of Earth stuff. So, like, maybe, like, they had a... I don't know, one of them had a zoom or something. I don't know. That'd be really fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, your question before about the the singular core narrative through line of the Guardians trilogy, I think that, you know, it's this is all about love. Um, and it's going to be all about love and family and, like, how um, the Guardians made their own family together. And I think that um, Rocket either is... I know, like, the trailers make us wanted to make it seem like Rocket's going to die, but, like, because of that reason... I feel like Rocket is going to have a happy ending and um, we're going to see Rocket start his own family with Lila and potentially Peter becoming a a, the, a, a father figure to all these refugees in nowhere um, and passing on the mantle of Star-Lord to Mantis and just being like, you know what, I'm done being an adventurer, my story's done, but like you have this whole universe to visit and like you have basically lived your whole life under Ego's thumb and like you have no idea what the universe is like so like go be Star-Lord and uh, I'll be here and being a father and sort of being the role that like my mother never got to be and like being a good father that like I've never experienced myself so like I think it's it's going to be all like starting a new family and it's going to be all about love and and, um, it's going to be sad in some respects because Drax will most likely be, be dying in this one and uh but like it'll be sort of like a bittersweet death because like he got a new family through the guardians after he spent his entire life being angry about the loss of his 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 wife and daughter and so i think that there'll 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 be peace and there'll be sort of like a yeah like we've sort of achieved what we need to what we've sort of filled the holes that um we had at the beginning of the series um in our souls with each other and i think that um is what 
James Gunn is going to end up doing because that's what James Gunn does the best. He is so good at crafting um, human stories um, with with a lot of inhuman elements, uh, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm very sad to see him leave the MCU, but he's going to be doing some kick-ass stuff at DC, so it'll be great. Yeah, that's a good sentiment to leave this episode, but uh, I, I look forward to 2023. There's a lot of fun Marvel uh, shit coming out next yes. year. So it'll be really fun to dive into it. It's going to be a crazy year, 2023. It's going to be historical. Oh, yeah. So you can follow MT at Mastertainment. You can follow me at EA Boss. Subscribe to Inside Marvel wherever you get your podcasts. Follow new rock stars. Thank you all so much for watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.